Well, well, well. I thought Write You a Song would be on a little hiatus for a few months, but just after I released the last episode with Josh Jenkins, I found out that one of his writing partners was interested in coming on, and who was I to say no to one of the most talked-about country artists of 2021? I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. Now, if you listen to this podcast at all, then you've heard Walker Hayes' name drop by a few other writers who've collaborated with him. There's a lot of respect in Nashville for him. He's been there since the early 2000s, but all this time, he's been mostly under the radar. Things started to change for him in 2017 when he had a pretty big hit with You Broke Up With Me, and then last year, he absolutely crushed it. Fancy Like wasn't just a hit, it became nothing less than a national sensation with a viral dance, those TV commercials, and it did spark some grumbling. There were country music purists that didn't like Fancy Like was country rap, and if I'm honest, I kind of started off as one of them. The first few times I listened, I thought, uh, what's this? But then... It sort of sucked me in. It's got a real charm to it. And look, spoken word hits are nothing new in country music. Charlie Daniels, Uneasy Rider, Devil Went Down to Georgia, C.W. McCall, Convoy, Big John, Jimmy Dean, Toby Keith, I Want to Talk About Me, Hank Jr. Born to Boogie Dirt Road, Anthem, Jason Aldean. And that's kind of how I started to look at Fancy Like. Sure, it's not an exact comparison. The rhythm in Fancy Like is a little more urban than backwoods, but those lyrics... There is country as a two-job working family, which is basically what Walker and his wife Lainey still were until that song took off. And it's just fun. Is that such a crime? It's also, if you really listen, a very honest song, which I've come to find out, and you're about to, is the only bullseye that Walker aims for. Sorry for the lengthy intro, but this is a really cool interview. And without further ado, here it is. Walker Hayes, thank you so much for taking time out of your enormously busy schedule to, to talk to us here on, on Write You a Song. Uh, it's funny, our, our previous month's guest, Josh Jenkins, you've written with him. We'll get more into that later. Uh, but in the middle of the interview, which was recorded back in October, I, we were talking about you and I said, I'd love to have Walker on someday. And bam, here you are. So <laughs> thank you for being here. Dude, thank you for having me. Um, songwriting is is my greatest passion. I mean, w- without a doubt, hands down, ask anybody who knows me. I love three things. Well, four things. I, I love Jesus. I love my wife and kids. And I love to write a song. Well, and you, for a lot of people, you know, I think they don't realize everything that you have been through being in in country radio i remember you coming through our radio station back in like 2009 or 10 and you were just this kind of guy with long hair in the front that kind of covered his eyes and and you did a couple of songs and uh acoustic songs and there was just a ton of passion and then that first part of your career really never went anymore i do anywhere i do want to talk about some of the songs from from that time period and you know, for those who don't know your backstory, at one point you'd been dropped by your label. You'd gone to work at Costco. How did you hang in there? Uh, uh, man, I mean, honestly, you know, I think I, I think the Lord had other plans, you know, if I was ever thinking about kind of hanging it up. But honestly, just this, like, for lack of a better way to explain it, I mean, I'm just crazy, you know. I'm not that smart. I am. Um, I'm not a. I'm not a forward think like a long term thinker. Um, I, uh, you know, when all that was going on, when I got dropped from Capital, and I was working at Costco, it sounds crazy, but I, I still woke up every day and wrote a song, you know, and I wrote a lot of songs about what I was experiencing. So it was kind of a a win-win going on behind the scenes that, that helped me, you know, I expressed my feelings about my dreams. I've, I've wrestled with my dream a lot. You know, I've, I've prayed many times that I would just have a new dream, you know, because my dream wasn't, it was making a fool out of me. You know, there were, there were days, you know, when I was working at Costco, man, it was, it was humbling moment after humbling moment. I mean, there was, I remember when I got my job at Costco, I mean, I, there was a guy at one of my shows and he knew all the words to my songs and 
he wanted my autograph. And when, as soon as he said he worked at Costco, I said, I need a job, man. I said, I'll give you my autograph. if You give me a job. <laughs> and, uh, he's the guy, he's a friend who got me, you know, um, a side job at Costco, but man, honestly, I don't know. You know, I wish for all the dreamers out there, I could answer that question, like why I didn't give up. But you know, they were nights where I was like, you know, how how do I be a better dad? Do I continue to chase this dream, or do I do I be responsible and give up this dream? And I didn't know the answer, um, and so I wrote about not knowing the answer. You know. Um, so yeah, I think it was some ignorance, um, some stubbornness. Um, it was definitely, you know, I had a, I had a wife who never one time said, hang it up, you know? So I know that's, that's one in a gazillion, you know, that's just, Mm -hmm. that's rare, you know, for a spouse to watch someone chase an elusive dream, um, and drag a family basically through, you know, financial hardship after hardship and still, you know, and still enjoy it, you know, the dream. So, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Lanny and my kids for being up for the ride. But, yeah, man, I just, you know, from the first time I ever wrote a song, um, I just couldn't stop. And um, I can't, I mean, I can't, I won't. I, I, um, you know, there was a, there was a, you know, I don't know. I can't really answer. I can't pinpoint why I didn't go home because I got a lot of friends who did, you know, and I have a lot of friends who, who are way, way better at me than, than I am at songwriting, but they went home, you know, your style of, of, of music changed too, from the first part of your career to now. You know, and and there are, let's be honest, there are, you know, country purists who who look at your music on the face of it and go, well, that's not country, that's, you know, hip-hop or rap or or, right. or, or, or whatever. Um, but it, to me, and, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of was in that camp up until recently, and I started kind of doing more of a deep dive into your music, and I'll get to more of that uh, here in a bit. Um, but it, it, it seems to me that you went with who you really are and things started to take off. Is that an accurate read? Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things to do as a musician, because, you know, you grow up and you're, you're, you're so, you honor your influences so much and you, you know, they're your heroes. So you don't, you don't mind sounding like them or doing what they did. And then you, you know, you come to Nashville and Nashville has a, you know, like it or not, there's a box, you know, of commercial stuff that's working at any given moment. And you, you kind of have this temptation to aim inside those boundaries because that's, that seems like the easy path. And, you know, I did that for a while, you know, I mean, I, I, I got in the room with the same writers, um, of, of the artists that were having hits. I got in the room with the same producers who were, you know, having hits and it didn't, you know, like you, like you expressed earlier, man, my first go round was a flop and most people don't even know, but that was actually my second go round. I mean, I was at, I was signed at Mercury in 06. And, um, I made about a half of an album and it, it just got shelved and I got dropped and then I got signed by Capitol and I actually had songs that went to radio, but they flopped and then I got dropped again, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it honestly hitting, hitting that rock bottom place, you know, at Costco and writing for no reason except for the fact that I just had to write, that's where things began to change for me. And so you're correct in that assessment. Um, when I, when I finished trying to aim and and be something that was acceptable, that is when people started responding to my music, which was who I was 
And man, what a what a freedom, you know, to to wake up every day as a as an artist and say, well, what's your craft? And it and my craft is just being me. Um, that's that is unbelievable. That it just it feels like I'm flying, you know. Your story, while you were sharing that, reminds me of uh, several episodes back uh, of another story of a singer-songwriter who also talked about hitting absolute rock bottom, nothing was connecting, and so he and a buddy just said, you know what, we're going to go in, we're going to make the music that we want to make, and if people like it, great, and if not, well, we've done something that we enjoy and that we like, and that's John Rich of Big and Rich, and that's where their first album came from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, those, man, those those boys made some waves. I mean, that was that music was amazing. Not to mention the stuff you know they were a part of with uh, you know Gretchen Wilson mm-hmm. and you know all those projects. But you know, and and again, like it, their 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 music made some ripples. You know, it stirred it stirred some controversy. You know, some people didn't appreciate that style but it was what they you know it was who they were and what they wanted to do and there's something to be said about that you know i think audiences are smart and they can they can smell contrived you know and they they're they're brighter than i think nashville gives them credit they they want believable believability and while Honesty and authenticity, while it can challenge, you know, a traditional listener, a purist listener, whatever you want to call it, at the same time as it kind of gets under their skin, it's drawing someone deeper in, you know, there's the flip side of that coin. So, yeah, big shot. I mean, I loved uh, the, the Save a Horse Ride a Cowboy movement. That was crazy. I mean, that was so loud uh, in Nashville. And we were around for that. What did you grow up listening to? What were what were some of your big influences? You know, I grew up. I, I most people don't know this guy, but I walked in. There was this record store called Peaches in Mobile, and um, my first tape I ever bought was a live um, a, a live tape of a guy named Harry Chapin, and. Wait, 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 wait. You, 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 kind of, you kind of cut out there, and I want people to hear that. Did you say it was Harry oh, Chapin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Harry Chapin. And uh, he had one hit. You know, he had um, Cats in the Cradle. And, you know, I think that was a big pop hit for him. But the rest of his music was so quirky. And um, I just listened to that over and over and over. And honestly, I didn't. I didn't have a genre. I never picked a genre as a kid. I mean, I, I, I loved Mariah Carey's vision of love. I, I loved hits, you know, mm-hmm. uh, anything on the Waffle House jukebox, you know, <laughs> I was into it, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if it was, if I listened, what's funny is I listened to songs like fancy, like growing up, like it, it didn't matter what genre it was. If it was top 40, I was in. And then I also listened to rap. And, um, you know, I also got down with, like, the band, Almond Brothers, Marshall Tucker, Coolio, Tupac, uh, Two Live Crew, 311, uh, Kid Rock, you know, back in the day, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, Alabama. It just, I just listened to the biggest songs of that decade, you know, the 90s. And um, I was into it, into it all. And um, I didn't really like, I wasn't, I didn't really like adapt to a culture of a genre or whatever. I just listened to it all. And um, I mean, my, my dad was a, was a lover of classical music. And I, I mean, I, I love some of that. I mean, I went to college and got a degree in piano and just learned. I mean, I played classical music for, for four years at Birmingham Southern. I mean, I, I just love all kinds of music, you know? And I got a feeling that, that you were also listening to the lyrics. You were paying attention to what they were saying. It wasn't just about the musicality. It was about the lyrics and the, and the messages too. Yes. Totally. You know, and I, it's funny 
I never wrote music. Like growing up as a kid, I, I never, I never was like, ah, I want to write that. But I did love lyrics, and um, you know, I remember hearing country lyrics, especially, and noticing a difference, noticing an integrity where as far as the words were concerned with songs, for instance, like don't take the girl, um, you know, when you say nothing at all, just these songs that like, they kind of mess with you and they're really just preparing you to, to be punched in the face with these massive hooks, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. And, um, and I, and I did, I did notice as a kid, I was like, there's something amazing at how these, you know, these phrases are turned, you know, just to see you smile. Um, those choruses, you know, that they disappear for a verse, but they come back and work in a different scenario. It's like, I could, I could notice that there was some kind of masterful puzzle piecing together thing that was going on with country music. But again, as, as a young kid, I never thought to myself, um, I'd like to write that. Um, you know, stuff one day. I mean, Cats in the Cradle, for instance, you know, it's, it's, it's like the story of a child, you know, growing up to be a, a dad himself and how that chorus comes back and it haunts you and it works in every scenario. But yeah, I, I didn't know it, but I was absorbing all that. And I had no idea that it would be poured into my own career and craft later in life. A child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man in the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then And um, it's funny, I, I love those moments in life where you get places and um, and you kind of look back and you and you go, oh, weird, I was headed here the whole time mm. I just didn't didn't know that and that's kind of how music is for me you know I like I said I, I mean I loved it dearly and I shared a passion for music with my father like nothing else but again I I I never thought that it would lead to this you know me sitting on this podcast talking to you about my life and career you know it's it's, it's pretty wild was um and I don't know if I'm wording this right, but was marrying hip hop or pop influences with country's honesty like something you settled on consciously or because it's here's the thing like I've been doing country radio for almost right. almost forty years and you know through that whole time every now and then somebody who's going to be the next garth brooks who's going to be the next tim mcgraw who's going to be the next there are no next garths or tims or alan jacksons there's only one garth one george one al you know what i mean the the ones who blow up are the ones that come along and do something completely different you are in that category you're something else entirely and um, I, the, was that conscious? Go ahead, finish my. No, thought. no, I, I love. I mean, honestly, all the all the things you're saying, you know, they just excite me because in my in my mind, it's like for many, many, many years, I heard not not fancy like, but just that sound. I heard those those. I heard those all those sounds meshing and I knew that it would be different. I knew that fancy, you know, I knew that eventually there was a sound that it wasn't Sam hunt and it wasn't Florida Georgia line. It fit on the same playlist, but it was my own thing and it was Southern. And, uh, and honestly, a lot of the songs on this album have that, and I, 
I will say it's a scavenger hunt, man. I mean, it's not, you know, finding a sound, holy cow, it's miraculous. I mean, when you, like, when you take AA and Fancy Light, to me, that is the, that's the magic right there. And I am so glad we found it because I'm not sure I ever thought we would, you know, like, what is me? Who am I? What do I sound like? And what is it that, that ends up being, because I agree with you, um, those are once-in-a-lifetime artists that come along, and you're right. They do something where you go, that's them, and it's nobody else. And mm-hmm. people are going to try to duplicate it, and they may even have like a nice little career, but they're not going to be that. Exactly. Because that is that, and that's the only that you're ever going to hear. And I feel like we stumbled upon that sound. And I think a lot of it has to do with Joe Thibodeau, um, my produ- one of my producers that is kind of helps me. You know, a lot of these tracks people are hearing, AA, um, You Girl, a lot of those tracks, he takes the things, just these simple guitar things that I do at home. And then we get players and build around them. And it's truly magical. I mean, I think we found we have found a new lane um, of country, you know, and uh, that's, we're just lucky, man. I mean, I think there's a lot of people in Nashville who are very talented and they're, they're digging for that gold. Um, and only a few of us ever have the opportunity to really find it, you know? Well, I, I will admit that uh, I was I- in that camp originally where I kind of, I, to be honest, totally honest, I, I was a bit dismissive of you. Oh, he's another one of these guys doing, you know, sort of hip hop country or whatever. Um, and and let's face, I mean, Fancy Like is a fantastic song, but it's fun. It's a it, it it's kind of a one off. And the same with you broke up with me. I started listening more on the advice of a couple of friends, including one I think you know, Matt Vieira, who used to be our our music director at our radio station. And he's like, you got to listen right. to this guy. He's so much deeper than that. And so I did. I went and I have a whole new respect it's like to me your music is like staring at one of those paintings where you stare at it long enough and and the original (laughs) image disappears and then there's like this 3d image that comes out that's that's what your music is and i was listening to some of your stuff the other day and i was thinking you know you're you're a singer yes you're a songwriter yes you're a musician but you're 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 almost a narrator you know with with these stories (laughs) and and here's the other thing that i would say to people who dismiss you as like hip-hop your lyrics are humble they're vulnerable they're they're full of pain and truth and you do not write throwaway songs it's ironic that your two biggest songs are just kind of fun romps but like aa i think is kind of starting to um delve a little bit deeper and you've got some really deep songs man thank you for saying that and um you know, I wish people knew, like, look, I, I, I agree with you about Fancy Like. Um, it's fun, you know, and it's lighthearted. But, I, you know, I think over this past year, we've seen what, I mean, the Fancy Like is the truth. Um, and I do think there's a darkness to Fancy Like, which is, to me, that, hey, this is our life. And if it doesn't change tomorrow, we're fine. You know, but going back to what you said, I've got to, you know, let let everybody know. I mean, I've been here 17 years and I have I've been mentored by some of the greatest writers ever. Paul Nelson, um, Tony Hazelden, Shane McAnally. I mean, these are these are massive songwriters uh, in the country genre, you know, who have written with me, they've all written 50 songs with me, you know? And so I don't, I don't not know how to write. And, um, and my songs, I feel like my thing is vulnerability. I mean, music, all writing is to me is my journal. You know, I refuse to sit down and just chase a a good idea. If it doesn't, if it's not actually my life, 
I'm not interested. And um, and I pre I appreciate all you're saying. Um, and I, you know, I, I got to give credit to Shane and my label because, again, man, there's a lot of labels and a lot of publishing companies who will say, hey, look, I like all this vulnerable stuff, but it's not commercial, you know? So while I love every song you write about your dad or your kids or your addiction or your loss or recovery, that's really cool and all, but it's not going to make us any money. I don't have a team that says that. And they, they actually love that stuff the most. Now, good luck to them trying to sell it. Um, but fancy like, you know, and you broke up with me. Those are the gateways, you know, to bring listeners in, hoping they get to hear the Craig, um, the briefcases. Uh, sailboat. You know, dad sailboat. The, yeah, dad. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, man, I mean, I – look, I have more freedom – than any artist in Nashville, especially right now. There's not, there's not a single artist that has more freedom than me when I walk into a writer's room. I have zero rules. Uh, I, I have no one around me saying, give me, a, give me a commercial hit. And that's why songs like AA can exist, you know, is because I walk in and somebody says, how you doing? And I say, man, I'm just trying to stay out of AA. And they say, let's write that. And we can. And uh, we're not wasting time. I mean, those those songs get to show up on albums. Coffee cup, cold and black. Wish you had a little shot of Jack. Size that, can't complain. Just trying to do the dang thing. Might change the oil in my truck. I ain't paying no 35 bucks. Kids need shoes. Mama needs Levi. And I'm just trying to keep my dog. some quotes from because and these are just two songwriters that i've talked with who have referenced you and i know there have been a couple of others and i apologize for for not having uh what, no. they, what they said either but you really are respected by your fellow songwriters um this one is from nicole galleon uh who you did an amazing song with and she says uh, the way his brain works is like no other writer i've ever worked with and i think he is one of the most underrated gems in our writing community, the way that he concepts songs is so complex, it honestly goes over some people's heads because we're just not used to certain things being that good. What's your reply to that? <laughs> nah, I mean, I just honestly want to stare at the floor and shake my head because, you know, first of all, Nicole Guy, she's a, she's a hero of mine. Um, the the feeling is mutual. I I trust her with my dearest song ideas. Um, she is if I have an idea that is precious to me, her name comes to mind as far as someone I want to share it with. But you know, again, in a room with Nicole, there are no limits, and that's a valuable valuable thing in a writer's room and I don't know if every writer would say that about me you know that I've ever written with I think there's something special about Nicole and when I'm with her I am an open book I'm unhindered by any fear or insecurity when it comes to throwing out ideas for instance that song we have together Halloween it is a crazy idea. And if you're in the room with someone um, who you're not, you know, courageous with or you're a little bit reserved, you're not going to go in and say, 
hey, man, I was looking at this jack-o'-lantern in my house, and I thought, man, you know, the moment I met my wife in high school, the moment I met Lainey, I just felt like I could be myself, you know? Now, it's easy for me to say those things to you in this interview, but when you walk into a room with someone you may not know that well, that's scary, you know, to throw that idea out there because, you know, chances are they're going to say, one, we're never going to get that on the radio, and two, that idea is stupid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, so you know, some some writers, like the Nicole Galleons of the world, it's almost like you 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 forget uh, you're in a writer's room. It's almost like you're 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 on a therapist's couch, and your soul is just bleeding out. And then when you leave, you look at what you've done, what you've created together, and it's unbelievable. And you can hardly believe that you wrote it. You know, and that's kind of how I feel about every song I've written with Nicole. But, you know, like I said, she gives me permission to be me. And when when that happens in a writer's room, you're always going to get something special. I don't know why I'm like this, but what would it change if I knew? Maybe my parents messed up, but hey, they're just dressed up kids too. Maybe I guess what I'm trying to say is I love you for being somebody I'm not ashamed to introduce my skeletons to. I still put on my Superman cape and hide in it, but when I'm with you, it comes untied for a minute. Hits the ground in the shadow of your skin. For the first time, I was comfortable in my when I knocked, knocked, knocked on your door. Every mask I ever wore shattered like glass on the floor. It was like Halloween day. Uh, the second quote is uh, from your buddy Josh Jenkins, who says, uh, when you hear the breadth of his honesty on the surface, people just want to write him off as rap or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because when you hear the breadth of his heart and his music, he says things like no one else can say them. Ah, uh, man. I mean, I appreciate Josh's comment. And, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, Josh and I, we've written 50 songs, you know, together over about six years. And uh, I always, always leave excited to lay whatever we've done down. And um, look, I'm not calling, I don't know. I don't know what I have to offer that's so special. But what Josh said about me, is really true about every single person if they can remove the distraction. And because you and I could start with the same song idea, but, we're, but, but we both have a story to tell. And if we just tell the story in our speaking voice, in our heart language, it's going to be unique. It, there, it will be rare and it will be special however it will also speak to everyone at the same time like it will be the most relatable thing we could write but it will be also personal to us and that's you know what I feel like Josh and I are able to do even with fancy like I mean as as fun as that song is I come out of the gate and I'm thinking of my wife and I just say she's banging and she is low maintenance <laughs> and she doesn't even like, I don't even know if, if Lainey has ever opened a bottle of champagne and she doesn't care. And, you know, and when I do take her to Wendy's, it's freaking amazing. And she <laughs> loves it, you know, and we dip our fries in our frosty and, you know, it's sound again, I know it's fun. It's, it's light. There's not a lot of depth there, but it's just the truth. Hey. My girl is banging, she's so low maintenance Don't need no champagne, pop entertainment 
Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me. She wanna dip me like them fries in a frosty. But every now and then when I get paid, I gotta spoil my baby with an upgrade. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Got that Burma Street steak with the Oreo shake and some whipped cream on the top too. Two straws, one check, girl, I got you. Bougie like Natty in the styrofoam. Sweet squeaking in the truck, bed all the way home. Some Alabama jam she my Dixieland delight. That's how we do, how we do. Fancy like. But it, you know what? In a way, there is a lot of depth there because that is a lot of people's experience. In a way... I'm just now thinking of it, but you're kind of like a modern-day Tom T. Hall. He was really great <laughs> at just finding everyday things. The, the, he was great at finding the everyday beauty that, that most of us miss. Right. And, and I, I, that, is, that is a gift that he had. And I, I don't, you know, I overlook some of that stuff. But one of my, one, one detail I pay attention to when, whenever writing a song is I just want to hear it sung like I would speak it almost, you know, just, I don't want to, I never want to write poetry. I think that's, I, I, I just think that's a, a waste of time to me. Like I, I don't, I don't appreciate poetry. I just want to say it. Like if you and I are having a beer, you know, you mentioned dad's sailboat, you know, um, hey, you and I are sitting at a bar. Dude, there's a for sale sign on my dad's sailboat, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't even ask mom why, because I already know, you know? Man, shit, I knew he'd get old, but I didn't know it hurt like this. There's a for sale sign on my dad's sailboat. Don't even ask mom why, because I already know. Yeah, I know you get old, but I don't know, I guess Had no idea it was gonna hurt like this We used to see who could hug the tightest And I couldn't take him Now I barely even squeeze Cause I feel like I'm gonna break Bet he wonders why it takes me so long to let go There's a for sale sign on my dad's sailboat Part of me wants to tear it down and let it drown in the river Forget the inevitable and pretend that heroes live forever Part of me wants to buy it and keep it like I wish I could heal But I know that ain't gonna make that young again Tears don't care if I don't want them to come I'm trying to take it like a man, but I'm taking it like a son Taking it like a son you know, I just want to say, I want to tell you, I want, I want each song of mine to come on in the radio and in, in everyone's car, and I want them to feel like they're sitting with just a person who's just like, man, I'm just trying to stay out of AA. You know, like maybe that's why your style is the way it is because you're exactly describing your style. Right. Well, I mean. If you go back to hip hop and I, and I know a lot of people go, Hey, you know, he's hip hop or he's hip hop. I hate this hip hop country stuff, but I, I dare, I don't, you know, I'm probably going to make some people mad here, but when you think about it and I've, I've thought about this way too much, <laughs> but you know, I grew up listening to country and I grew up listening to hip hop and in all the genres of music, Okay, uh, those two genres, they just tell you the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they just say, like, if you went to the gas station and you got a 40 and you took it home to your baby and then y'all made out and you smoked a cigarette, that's what you say <laughs> yep. in both of those genres. Now, you know, pop. You're like, man, I, I feel like this song's like a butterfly. And somebody would be like, nah, it's about a mountain. And you're like, I don't care. It just feels good, you know? And there are some, you know, pop songs, obviously, that have lyrics that are more story-oriented. But hip-hop and country, they both tell it like it is. And part of 
your identity as a hip hop artist and a country artist is really just your stylistic delivery, like how you speak and how you talk. Like my favorite line in AA is I'm just trying to do the dang thing. Cause that's something (laughs) I would say, you know, like other than that, man, I can't complain. I'm just trying to do the dang thing, you know? (laughs) And, and to me that takes the listener from listening to some paisley out star with a rhinestone jacket in a, jet to a dude that he's standing on the sidewalk with and i don't know if people realize that but i think it's the same as fancy like it's like man every now and then when i get paid i always spoil my baby with an upgrade you know and it's like i just like to talk to people i don't like to yell at them i don't like to over sing um and be dramatic and but you do you did notice and i and i really do i have a I have a real passion for elephants in the room, things that we're all thinking, but we never say. Um, I love the hurt in life that, that also has a redemptive quality. Um, like the, you know, I think it's very, very beautiful in life about how tragedies make us members of certain clubs. And you would never want someone to be in that, that like club but you're glad when you meet someone who is. And, um, you know, to, I love talking about that stuff, you know. I wonder, like, d- given the digital age that we're in, and I've talked to songwriters who say they sit down in the room and because there aren't album cuts any longer and, you know, there are so many revenue streams for writers and artists that, that have just vaporized, um, they, they feel like they've got to try and aim for the bullseye every single time. And, you know, so I guess from the business end, I can understand, you know, that aspect of it. But um, do you ever, it sounds to me like you are long past worrying about that. And, and in a way, I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this, but it seems like uh, the, the, the stuff that you write, when it connects, it maybe doesn't reach as wide an audience, but when it connects, man, it connects, if, if you know what I mean. And and you don't yeah. just have a, a, a listener who likes this song. You have somebody that you've drawn into your world and touched, and that's a rare thing. And to me, as a music fan, that's the greatest possible thing that music can do, both for an artist, but for a fan as well. I've gotten through life hanging on rock lyrics and, and, and country song uh, lyrics. I mean, there I've thought, well, if John Mellencamp can go through this, I can, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. And you, you, you're hitting the nail on the head as, as far as like me as a person. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I learned it from my dad. My dad, he loved to sail. You know, you heard you heard the sailboat song, and he loved to race. Um, that was one of his favorite things. He would he would do sailboat races, and I this is really funny, but every sailboat race that I ever raced with him, the entire fleet, like the entire group of sailboats, like we're talking a hundred boats, would go one direction, and my dad would go the complete opposite direction. And we would be this lone sailboat far, far, far off in the distance. And we would either win the entire race or we would lose miserably. But we never, we never, we never came in the middle. And I love that. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm about to start crying just talking about my dad because I, I don't know why he was like that. But that's just, he was an individual. And I am the same way. I don't want anything to do with bunting, hitting singles, doubles. I want to either have the song briefcase that literally meets someone exactly where they are, whose dad is dying and they're in hospice right now, and it helps them that day. And that's all I'm interested in doing. I had it when dad picked up his briefcase, because that meant that he was leaving. But I love the sound that his keychain made when he got home in the evening. 
I was always sad, mom was always mad Most nights he showed up late Set his briefcase down like he didn't weigh a pound No, I never understood the weight But mama always left him to play 18 said I'ma be anything But just like my old man Selling houses to all those families While his family sat at home missing him Guys sick of playing ball games watching All the other dads watch their kids So I picked up a guitar case Cause it wasn't square like his And now I sound like him And I look like him And I walk like him And I talk like him And I try to make my wife laugh When she's mad Cause I love my job like him Now I get it that It's a juggling act Between feeding the kids And feeding the dreams we chase I guess it gets on Doesn't fall too far from the briefcase. I don't get any appreciation aiming for some commercial bullseye that makes me some money or gets me played on radio. That that does absolutely nothing for my soul. And I, I refuse to try to do that. Now, hey, if one comes along, obviously, yeah, if you broke up with me comes along and fancy light comes along, I'll enjoy it. And I'm I'm excited. But I swing for the fence, and, and I, I swing hard, and I swing out of my shoes, and um, I'm not going to do, you know, what the herd is doing. Damn. That's, that might be the, the best two minutes I've ever had on this podcast. Mm. <laughs> Come on, man. Dude, I, I, uh, I respect I'm, that I'm, so I'm much. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you saying it, but but you, you know you got me fired up. I, I I think I think in this world there's 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 just there's too many people settling um, for security and and comfort, and uh, you know they have so much to offer um, if if they would you know swing harder and become unbound by by parameters and what people think and, you know, what people say is working or, you know, um, but man, I, I just, um, I love what I do and it hasn't always been easy. Um, but I'm, God, I'm so grateful for this past year. And, um, now man, the gloves are off. I mean, we're, we're going crazy. Josh, Josh Jenkins and I wrote this week, and um, it's so much fun to write when 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 things are going good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I, I, you've given me more time already than I expected, so I, I don't want to take up too much more. But I do want to touch on some of your songs and get some of your your, yeah. your thoughts behind them. Um, and one of the yeah. things that that I, I love about you so much is that um, your your two years. Uh, alcohol free now and and you don't shy away from talking about that battle and, and again that's a subject that people are going to connect with you on and you're probably whether you ever find out about it or not going to help a few people and uh aa oh, is man. like that aa aa's got a, a a good sense of humor to it another one that's um a little more dramatic and also I mean, you wrote it so well it's almost like a short story it's uh, beer in the fridge Oh, thanks, man. I, that's one of my all-time, you know, favorite songs, and that that beer is a real beer. You know, it was kind of a um, a daily battle for me that I was I was able to win on a daily basis by shutting that refrigerator on that last beer. You know, when I just quit, and um, man, I just don't think I just don't think we were put here on Earth to to celebrate all the time earth you know earth and life celebrations are are very rare most of life is hard and the older you get you know the more friends you lose and um the less control you know you just realize you you have little control over this life and i think we are united by our struggles 
And I found that really, I found that in my own life, the, the more open I was about my addiction, the more friends I made who could relate and we could help each other. You know, I ran into your mom at church. She said, I've been praying for you. Guess now that you've moved on, she ain't mad at me no more. The magnolia's on Old Shelt Road. Smells so bittersweet. Sometimes I still want to get messed up, but you'd be proud of me. There's a beer in the fridge. Last of 12. Sole survivor of my last all-nighter in the back of the bottom shelf. It's gonna be there in the morning. Even though you won't. You're the reason I quit drinking. The reason I wanna get drunk. I still look out for the cops when I'm driving around town. And I'm still not quite sure what to do with my hands in a crowd. There's a lot I can't remember and a lot I can't forget. One silver bullet in a chamber and I'm playing Russian roulette with that beer in the fridge. Last of 12. Soul survivor of my last all nighter. And praise God. I mean, I, I, it's helped some friends of mine. And um, I, I will sing about it till the day I die. I'll also still sing drinking songs because I can drink really good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, and I'm not embarrassed about it, you know. And I and I don't, you know. One of the saddest things in the world that can happen, I think, is someone can be honest about a struggle, and someone can react in a certain way that makes someone ashamed. And um, I think it's a merciful approach to songwriting to just say, hey, everybody, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I can't drink. But, um, you know, here's a drinking song for everybody who does drink in here. Let's go. You hey, know, you're not the only and, country um, that, that doesn't drink and sings drinking songs. Brantley Gilbert's a great example of that. Um, when you were considering giving up drinking, were you worried about what it might do to your creativity to your creative process or or were the two ever connected yeah 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 man my first my first show sober it was like it was basically like starting over i mean my my fingers didn't work right my voice was was shaky and insecure after every song i reached you know i reached for the beer that wasn't there you know um it was frightening uh, going, going to write every day. Uh, you know, there was this lie in my head, you know, that I could no longer, that I wasn't brilliant without the, the numbness, you know, of a buzz, you know, it's, and, um, but since then I've really found that I actually feel my feelings more, which allows me, you know, to, to dump them out more effectively and they actually just kind of come out more raw you know and i and i like it but it it was a process it, it wasn't like snap oh this is amazing i mean it took me several shows to learn how to perform sober and it took me several rights to to, to become comfortable writing without a vice uh, another song I want to ask you about is is uh, another song about you kind of hitting rock bottom and and uh, not having anywhere else to 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 turn at the moment. And then along comes somebody named Craig. First of all, is Craig a real guy? Was that his real name? And nah. it, it, and the story I know is true. Correct. It's a true story. Yeah, man. My, my wife and I we have one car. Uh, we had just had our sixth kid. I was working at Costco. I was out, I was drinking at the time, and I met Craig at a church called Redeeming Grace. And um, it it is literally word for word what happened. I mean, he he loved us uh, despite our differences, you know, in beliefs, and um, despite my alcoholism and our our you know financial situation, he just. Him and his family opened their doors wide to us, and uh, he showed up at my son's baseball game and gave us his minivan. And um, 
It was wild, man. I'm that crag of the church called Redeeming Grace. It's like he understood my I don't wanna be here face. I didn't bow my head, not one single prayer, but he just shook my hand. Said, I'm glad you're here. He says we'll all be judged, but he was never judgmental. And even though my songs, they don't belong in no hymnal. He quote me my lyrics, slap me on the back. Said, man, you got a gift. How you write like that? Yeah, I know. He sounds cool, right? Not your typical kid from Sunday school, right? I still ain't figured out church yet. But Craig, I get. So now he can't walk on water. But turn the night for Valerie. Buddy, just might be tight with a man that did. Now he ain't the light of the world. But I wish mine was bright as hell. Yeah, he just might be tight with a man that did. Lose a record deal, y'all, the perks fade fast. Dealership said we're gonna need to get that minivan back. So we were down in one car and broke as I felt. Had my wife and Craig and I actually just finished a book called Glad You're Here. And it's basically my testimony and it walks through, um, you know, addiction, our seventh kid, uh, and a Christian. And now Craig and I are next door neighbors. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Stuff, man, I just, I have such a, a passion for songwriting embedded in me. It, it, it's wild. I, I don't know what I would do without songwriting. I mean, I really, it, it just, it is, it is such a love of mine. It's who you are. Yeah. It, 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 it's funny. I, I didn't even know it, you know, till I was 23, you know, and um, I kind of sometimes wish I could redo childhood just to write, you know, and see what, what did I feel then, you know, because, um, you know, childhood is, it's weird, you know, for everybody and it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to, to know what I, what I would have, what music I would have made. That's, that God, that's that's kind of an interesting reflection. Yeah. Well, it's such a. I mean, I said, you know, I don't know. Life is just so. I mean, I just understand. I don't understand addiction. I'm not like a. I'm not a therapist, but I just, you know, sometimes I look at life and I can't. I can't find a lot of things in a day that I do that's not really just me coping, you know, with life, you know, mm-hmm. even, even, to, even down to my relationship with my wife and kids. Sometimes I'm like, are the, am I loving them or are they just a hobby right now, you know, to distract me from the hurt. And I know that that's dark, but you know, I songwriting is such an and uh, it's a way for me to sift through all my emotions and find the ones that are real and dispose of the ones that are fake, you know? And um, and I really, you know, I, I obviously, the, the bottle was songwriting for me in high school. And I, and I often wonder, what if I had found a, a paper and pen you know, and put it all out there then, um, would that have saved me from some mistakes I made? I don't know. You said something uh, in an interview recently when I was getting ready to uh, do this interview, I read that, that I loved. And I'm a, I'm a father of three. I've got three grown kids. Uh, but it, you were talking about how you try to find something with each one of your kids that you can relate to. That is your thing with them. And it made me reflect, and I was wondering, have I done that with my three kids? And lo, ah. lo and behold, yes, I have. It, it, it's never been a conscious thing. You know, it was something right. I never I never thought about it. But with each kid, I have a thing that we talk about that it was like you articulated what I'd been doing. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. That's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. You're, I- you're on the right track with that for sure. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I had, I, um, 
you should go listen to a song of mine called Chapel uh, when you get a chance. And it's it's about my first son, just kind of my misunderstanding of, you know, fathering a son and mistakes I made. Chapel. Saw you in an ultrasound. Picture you hitting Jackson, breaking tackles. That's my boy, top 10 countdown. Taught him everything he knows. Went home, put a football in your crib. Baseball on your bill. Only 20 weeks alive and I was already trying to live. I carry a sleep through you. I don't ever want to do that to you. Hadn't occurred to me. Maybe you won't be an athlete. You might not like sports and want to be a athlete. And if that's the case, I ain't going to treat you like no black sheep. I don't care. Never went to trap me, travel Little apple fall as far from the tree As you need to My love can reach you Travel Little apple fall as far from the tree As you need to My love can reach you You know, well, fathering a you son and mistakes I made I, I have died so on, man, or go whatever you say into many things like Minecraft and Pokemon and all kinds of things that, that you know, Fortnite even. I'm, I'm just, I've, I've gone in head first. I don't want to distance myself, you know, from them. I want to communicate with them. So, man, I'll, I'll do it all. <laughs> I'd make my boys so mad because they were, they were, when they were both still here at home and they were playing Fortnite and, I sucked at it, and so I figured out I could always last until, like, the last three or four if I just hid for the whole game, and they hated yeah, me for doing dude. it. <laughs> me too. Me too. I would go – you ever – I would just go find that robot and get in it and, like, walk around in the woods, and they my, – my kids, they'd be like, you're cheating, you know, and – how many people did you kill? And I was like, it doesn't matter. I lasted. No, you know? I'm a peace loving guy. I would go, I, I'd go for <laughs> yeah. walks. I'd go sightseeing. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. We're, that, that, those are the people that make it down to the wire, man. <laughs> Walker, it has been such an unbelievable uh, kick to talk with you. You are, you're funny, you're smart, you're deep. And you're original, and that's a oh, man. that's a great combination. You're also sincere, and like by all accounts, you're somebody that is just super easy to root for. Hey, thank you so much. You ever just want to hang, man? Talk about kids. <laughs> Give me a butt. I'll take you to Applebee's. I got a whole bunch of gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to take it out with the song that you played in our conference room like 11 or 12 years ago because I need an answer. Kitchen table. Did that really happen? True story, man. True story. I mean, it, I know, I know, it's kind of gross, but it's a <laughs> that's real life. We've we've re, we have repainted it. We've repainted it several times, but that that table still lives. You still have the table. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. It's right. It's right next to our piano and um, next to the dartboard. But yeah, we've we've painted it many. It's the it's the table of many colors. Man, thank you so much. Take care and uh, go enjoy your family. Thank you. Have a good one. Talk to you, Tom. It was used, but it looked new to a couple kids like me and you. So we threw it in the truck and took the slow way home. We made out. Every light fogged up the windows in our drive Then we carried it to the kitchen Where we christened it all night long Blood, sweat, and tears All those years Soaked inside the maple
for this month's edition of Write You a Song. Again, a huge thank you to Walker Hayes for joining us. And now I think we'll be on a little hiatus for a few months unless somebody else drops in. In the meantime, if you're new to the podcast, go back through the archives. We have so many interviews with so many huge names in the country songwriting community. If you're an aspiring songwriter, it's basically a master class. And if you just love songwriting stories, there's plenty of that, too. Uh, If you can, share this podcast on social media because that's about the only marketing I have. If you can, give it a review and a few stars, and we'll be back with Write You a Song in a few months. I'm Tom Maley from the studios of KNCI Radio in Sacramento. Thank you again for listening.